Welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This will be episode 96. Today is a lazy day. It's a Saturday. We're not really lazy. I'm just decompressing, uh, not having a whole lot to do. It's a rainy Saturday. It is exceedingly windy outside, blowing like 30, 40 miles an hour, enough that it's hard to play fetch with the dog. But I've been wearing her out, throwing the ball, and I spent a few hours digging around through Genesis. And this one is about uh, something that I stumbled across uh, while the kids and I were, were reading. The kids and I read a, a couple passages, at least a few times a week, a couple of chapters from the Bible. And we're working our way through John right now. The Bible is a cool thing if you're not familiar with it. It's It really is something that as you read it, like you could read some, you could read a paragraph Every two months, every three months. And it's weird. You you notice things different that you didn't notice before. And I've been watching this go on in my own life for north of four decades now. And so I've read the book of John a million times. Well, that's hyperbole, but you get the point. The kids and I were just reading through it, and I'd never noticed this before, but it's in John 13. This is the Last Supper, which kind of an odd name. That's not really the point of it is not a supper. But Jesus is sitting with uh, his disciples And at this point, they've heard him talk about the fact that he is going to die, that his human body is going to die. But the underworld doesn't know he's going to die. There's just so much dynamic going on in this room. And Satan doesn't know yet that that Jesus is going to die. And this is kind of a funny moment, the way, a curious moment, the way Jesus plays this out. So in 1321, chapter 13 of John, it's a New Testament book. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's one of the Gospels. John was with Jesus uh, throughout his ministry. This is the same John that wrote the book of Revelation. So John is, I think, the only disciple that actually lived and wasn't basically killed for following Jesus. I'm a little rusty on that fact because I can only hold so much in my head and I have to clear things out to make room for the next thing. So anyway, John is writing this, same guy that wrote the book of Revelation. but, But Jesus, so 1321 starts with this, when he, Jesus, or when he had said these things, Uh, When Jesus had said these things, he's talking to his disciples. Jesus was greatly distressed in spirit and testified, I tell you the solemn truth, one of you will betray me. So talk about an icebreaker moment. So he, this is a group of guys that have been together for about three years now. They're very close. It says that the, the disciples began to look at one another, worried and perplexed to know which one of them he was talking about. One of the one of his disciples was sitting at the ta- sitting at the table to the right of Jesus in a place of honor. I think this is a little cocky of John to write this, but anyway, Peter gestures over to John and and says, "Hey, ask Jesus who he was talking about," because Peter's a barger, a real simple minded guy. And so John asks Jesus, "You know who's who are you? What do you mean? Like who's going to betray you?" And Jesus says to John, "It's the one to whom I give." This piece of bread after I have dipped it in the dish. Then Jesus dipped it in, dipped the piece of bread in the dish and gave it to Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. And after Judas, after Judas took the bread, the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, "What you are about to do, do quickly." Uh, now none of those present at the table understood why Jesus said this to Judas. Some thought it was because Judas was, would take money out of the money box. And Jesus was telling him to go buy something for the for the Passover feast that was coming up, or to give something to the poor. Jesus or Judas took the piece of bread and went out immediately. And now it was night. This was something I had never noticed. So Jesus is sitting there. He knows that Satan is right there. 
there's some observations that are relevant to us. These are 12 men who have been walking and watching Jesus do miraculous things, listening to him teach for three years. These are people who have cast demons out themselves. They have seen things that you can't get any closer. They didn't know Satan was in the room. They did not detect it. There's no indication from any of the Gospels that they were concerned that Satan was in the room, which is an indication of just how easy it is for us to be deceived. But Jesus knows he's in the room. Jesus knows he's there. He knows that Judas is going to betray him, and he knows that Satan is going to inhabit Judas and use Judas as a vehicle to betray Jesus. But one of the things that kind of cracked me up is Satan is in the process of finding out that that Jesus is going to die. He's like this is a like a moment where I can see Satan salivating like oh gosh no way we get we get to actually kill him Uh, maybe maybe let's see how this plays out so Jesus rather than making a scene in anything he breaks off a piece of bread and hands it basically to Satan I mean now Satan is driving Judas and so like like a little raccoon say or Jesus gives Satan a, a scrap of bread and says. What you need to do, get on with it. And Judas took the piece of bread and went out immediately. When I read that, what came to mind was the image of handing a dog a dog biscuit, a raccoon a, a cracker, or a chipmunk a, a cracker, and then they just scurry away really quick. So Satan, I think at this point, has probably connected the dot, the dots that Jesus is going to die. But they haven't known this. See, this has been a secret. And even the disciples really don't even still know this. Nobody does. It's Jesus's little, uh, his plan is his plan, and he doesn't have to explain it to anybody. He's just going to unfold it. So then the next verse is when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and he will glorify him right away. Children, I am still with you for a little while. You will look for me, and just as I said to the Jewish religious leaders, where I am going, you can't come. Now I tell you the same. Anyway, I'm going to skip through some of this. And Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you will follow later. I'm just going to keep scrolling forward. So at the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus is assuring the disciples that, look, if I'm I'm going away to a place in my father's house. I'm making a place ready for you. I will come again. I'm going to go make that place for you, and I'm coming back for you. And you know the way where I'm going. Like he's talking about how to follow him and how to spend the rest of eternity in heaven with him. So Jesus is assuring them. So Satan has left now. He's he's in Judas, or he's driving Judas. Judas runs out of the room. So Satan has just found out that, that Jesus is going to die. Jesus hands Satan a piece of bread and shoes him out of the room. He runs out like a raccoon. And so now Jesus is going to reveal to his disciples that he's also coming back. Well, Satan doesn't know this, and there's no way for him to know it because he's now running down the road with Judas to go to some Roman soldiers who are going to come and arrest Jesus on charges of sedition. So then he's talking to his disciples for a second, and then and then he just abruptly says, all right, we need to get up and go. And so if you can imagine, off in the not too far distance, here's Satan inside of Judas. 
talking to these Roman soldiers saying, oh no, I've got him, I've got him. I'll take you to where he's at. Man, we can, we can spring the trap and, and we're going to really, like we get, we're going to get, like I'm going to be such a big deal in this. And that's totally like Satan's disposition, like his nature. Jesus has deprived Satan or the underworld of knowing that he's going to die. Now he sends him away. Now he's going to deprive Satan of knowing that he's coming back. So Jesus tells his disciples that and then says, okay, we need to get up and go. So they all get up and leave and they start, they leave the, the room where they're at and they go, they go back down the street and start walking, not like getting away or anything like that. Jesus walks straight to where Judas is with Satan in him and where the Roman soldiers are. Judas is coming toward Jesus and he doesn't know Jesus is coming. And I'm sure he's all antsy at the thought of being able to spring this trap and bring, you know, one more way. I'm going to really hurt God this time. And here comes Jesus. And he just walks right up to him. And that that whole thrill of being able to burst into the room with a bunch of Roman soldiers, manhandle Jesus, grab him and stuff. I mean, just grab him and, you know, whatever, arrest him, confine him. It would lead to his death or his crucifixion. And Jesus is just stripping Satan, like it's Jesus plays Satan for the fool that he is compared to Jesus. And I had never noticed that in John. And I there's not much more I can say about it. But if you get a chance, maybe go back and read it with a different set of eyes. But Jesus really does treat Satan like the child, like the clueless little child. And Satan, you know, tries to come off as so smart with the, the deals that he offers to people in the world for their loyalty. And I mean, you look at the way Jesus manhandles Satan, not just here, but elsewhere throughout the Gospels. There's no question that of who's running the show. Um, I'm, I'm going to leave this one at that. This will just be a really short one. It's something that kind of stood out to me and John. So I hope you have a great day and I'll catch you on the next one.